With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the BRP for our latest episode, which comprises the second part of our conversation with this week's special guest, Albion fan and podcaster Alan Wares. In the first part, he was talking about his story growing up supporting the Albion and his times at the Goldstone, the Priestfield, with Dean and that glorious arrival that we finally made at the Amex Stadium. In this second part, we'll be talking about a number of things, namely EFL, Curtailment of the season controversially in Leagues 1 and 2, racism in football, the advent of the restart to the Premier League campaign, and in particular Albion's prospects in that campaign, and we'll be talking about, well, cardboard cutouts in the East Upper as well. Plus we've got the quiz, how will Alan do? Stay tuned right now to find out. Here we go. The story and the, the way things have gone um, through it's the years. It's my Albion. It's just the story of, of, of what I've perceived the Albion to be. That you know, yeah. it's my first mistress, and you know, and, and sometimes the love that we have for each other is, well, it's actually unrequited. And you know, as as, as the first love of your life goes, sometimes, dear gosh, it can be hard work. But yeah, you know, well, it's your childhood sweetheart. Al. It's your childhood sweetheart. Um, <laughs> the other thing you're known for, as we mentioned earlier, is the Albion Raw. Can you tell us a bit about when that first started, which I understand was with another chap, I can't remember his name, I think he's in New Zealand now, who started it, is that right? And yeah, there was, when did it actually started with four people. There was, there was the, the two main presenters were Richie Parker and Johnny Harmon. Um, hmm. they, they were kind of media trained. They, they, they swapped over uh, presenting duties each week and they had regular guests, Murray and Paula, um, who, were, who would come in and discuss you know, the, 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 the hot topics of the week. They, they'd also you know, play the interviews that they'd had. So they were part, very much part of the press corps. And, and, and one particular time, because it was, it was at the time that Guy Busters was leaving, um, and we were hosting a, a do for him down at Donatello's, and I just said, are you okay to mention it on the show? <clears throat> and they said, well, come in and, and do it, and, and, and mention it yourself. So I said, okay, fine, never done live radio before, but, you know, it was kind of interesting. Um, offloaded my opinions on, on, on the... the what, I could not tell you... Everything seems to sort of 
be that it was, I, I, I did this in about April of 2008. Um, so, but I couldn't tell you an exact date. So I guess that shows that, yeah, I've just done this for just over 12 years. Um, and I think they were sort of mildly impressed enough that they invited me back. But at the time, and this is where I was saying about how uh, open um, uh, Dick was with the club uh, and all the various people there, that um, I asked him along. Um, and you know full well that, you know, an hour chatting with Dick is about two questions and that's it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I basically, I, I kind of changed the format of the show a little bit, whereby we've got different people in each week rather than the same four. Now, whether the same four works week in, week out versus a different guest each week, well, <clears throat> how many podcasts are there out there these days? Back in 2008, there were a lot, a lot more rare. I don't think there was quite the hosting that you'd have had on the internet. Um, so we, we, we do do it and have done it ever since day one through Radio Reverb, which itself started broadcasting in March 2007. Um, and, and as time went by, A.D. Packham, who I've got on as a guest as well, uh, to offer his opinions, um, he, he took over the, the presenting duties. And I couldn't give you a timeline on this, apart from knowing that the first time he presented a show was in February 2010. Uh, and the late great Roy Shooter was the guest on that day. Um, and yeah, so since then, the, the format has been is rather than the same four people, is to have as best we can a guest each week to, to discuss what it is we're going to, you know, blather on about. Yeah, well, it's long standing. It's been going very well. Um, I, I enjoy it. I listen regularly. And I urge others too. It's always good, good value. Um, interesting, sorry, at the top of the show, you said episode 41. Of, yeah. Of, of Brighton Rock, and, and I did. I genuinely sorry, mate, but I didn't genuinely realise that you'd actually done it for that long. So that implies kind of nine months if you've been doing it. For the it's week. not quite oh, that long. We've just been doing yeah. a lot in lockdown. <coughs> kind of quite regular. Yeah, we've been racking them up. We started in January, so it is long in September. Months, months, months. <laughs> but yeah. you guys, yeah, you must be on three or four hundred, isn't I think, it? We, I think we've calculated about five hundred and fifty. Wow! Oh right, we still yeah. got it right. That's that's a hell of a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> roster but it's uh, it's good fun it's always a good listen and um and one thing i wasn't sure was how you guys knew each other you and ad so you you already knew ad from what you just said yeah but only through so, meeting up only through meeting up yeah. with um you know as part of the stadium protest i didn't know ad before i think i probably first met him in about oh three oh four something like that um I, I couldn't give you an exact time frame maybe even later, if I, if I went back through my photograph album, I, I probably would find the first picture. But above me on that, I I cannot recall the first time we met. He might. Um, I can certainly recall the second time because he said he said we've met before. We were at the uh, uh, oh, what's the pub? Uh, uh, Dark Star. Come on, what's it called? Evening Star. Evening Star. Evening yeah. Star. We were at the Evening Star, and and we were doing this, this, and this as part of the stadium campaign. Um. So yeah, it was about oh four oh five. I first met AD, and I just I just invited him on. I wasn't presenting. I have presented a few. So out of the five hundred and fifty we've done, I've probably presented about I don't know fifty of them. Um, but apart from that, I think he just sort of wanted to take over. He realised that he was better off at presenting, which he probably is. I'm better off at gobbing off, which I probably am. And, and therein <laughs> lies the and therein lies the formula. Yeah, so that's what we wanted to get you on the show out. <laughs> yeah. For God's sake, Russell, say something. <laughs> yes, I'll try and get a word in, you know. <laughs> People have often said that about you, haven't they? But no, this, is, this has been fine. It's been a good, good combination. 
Um, I'm just going to mention your one of, I think it's your, still your most recent or possibly one of the most recent was with Betty Firminger, who's someone I follow on Twitter and I think I've met once before. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, that was an interesting one actually, and most recent one, which um, obviously is covering the subject, which has been very emotive in the last couple of weeks since a certain gentleman in America was, um, well, murdered effectively oh, yes. by a police officer and everything has kicked off since then, both uh, there and here. America's a right old state. It's got a cartoon villain, um, but unfortunately, a very sinister uh, means um, who uh, is running that country. And yeah, um, basically, sure the country's yeah. getting exactly what, unfortunately, the presidency was likely to give them. It's completely out of control. Guns don't help, as we know. Over here, some people have criticised whether that's got its place or whether we should be getting involved. Obviously, we should, because that problem does exist over here. The interesting listen that was your episode with, with Betty was uh, was really insightful. It doesn't tell you things you hadn't suspected, but it clarifies and crystallised a lot of things. Well, what, we have with Betty, what we have with Betty is, is that you have to bear in mind, and, and I don't know if people have actually sort of spent any time thinking about this, is the nature of, of the city of Brighton and Hove, and certainly the, the fan base of Brighton and Hove Albion, is not particularly ethnically diverse. Yeah. I mean, Brighton is a, a you know, obviously it's got its pockets of deprivations. There's some parts of it that are horrible, but, you know, it's it's seen as a kind of a white middle class city. It's not that at all, but it's seen as that. That is the perception. Mm-hmm. Um, and including the, the Pink Pound in, in, in you know, the Camp Town area. I mean, those if you're going to have perceptions of the city, then then that's what you've got. So what we don't have is a particularly ethnic, ethnically diverse fan base. Um, and in Betty, we had a, a couple of things. One... She was an excellent writer for the Albion Mag, the, the magazine that uh, was published by, uh, edited by Dan Tester a few years ago. Um, and, and I know so she was an excellent writer. But one thing that we do have, and this is the point that she made, is that we do get to hear sometimes from the likes of Dion Dublin, Ian Wright, um, uh, and Mark Wright, and, 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 and other players who will talk about how Black Lives Matter and, and John Barnes and talk about the racism they've suffered. And as she pointed out, that there is... We get to hear their opinion from a black player point of view, but what we don't have is from the point of view of, and it sounds like box ticking, but, you know, there are very few people to choose from, from a black woman and from a, well, from a black person and a black woman at that, um, who herself grew up in South London, albeit supporting Newcastle, and how societal attitudes have changed generally and in football so the podcast itself and certainly the second half of it was more about how for her football has changed and generally she points out and 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 i feel the same but you know it's, it's not necessarily for me to make that final call she feels that it has got better i mean you had so much overt racism mm. on the terraces and outside of the grounds and in the pubs um, and it was like your your far right wing stuff that you had at the cenotaph and in Whitehall, you know, this weekend. There was sort of like this overt stuff of of the football lag culture, hmm. um, which hasn't updated itself and still feels it should be rooted in white supremacy. Whereas, you know, nowadays because society has moved on and, and you wouldn't have love thy neighbour being shown on the television and you wouldn't have you know, sort of uh, a Spike Milligan blacking up or anything like that, or you wouldn't have curry and chips on the television, that the things have obviously improved. And it's not about political correctness going mad. It's about people trying to treat other people with a lot more respect. So I take Betty's point on board that that things have got better. But there's, again, one, there's there's certain things we could always do better. But I was actually sort of kind of more taken with 
her perspective that we don't get to hear from a, a black fan's point of view rather than a black mm. player's point of view. So mm. um, yeah, that's not to say it validates the black player's point of view, far from it. It's just, you know. That's yeah, an interesting point that we, yeah, ultimately we haven't been historically very diverse. I do think that's changed actually um, in the Amex era. I've noticed a lot more uh, mixture of faces um, in the crowd going to games, whether that's because of uh, student interest or just, just yeah, migrating. <laughs> I don't know, but oh, this is obviously a positive sign. It's good to hear, certainly from people like Betty, to get that perspective and to, as I said, to really help to understand what the reality is. And, I mean, she's by and large from the same generation as the one you were talking about, your own mm-hmm. story of you know, the 70s and 80s being dangerous with hooliganism. Mm-hmm. That in itself was quite terrifying <laughs> on its own. Yeah. Never mind if you've also got to deal with that as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what, what's gone on since, and whatever people's opinion are of Brexit, Brexit has certainly escalated the... Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think the, the, the feeling of um, empowerment that people have got who have racist views to jump on that bandwagon. Well, I'm not saying everyone who voted for Brexit is, but... Um, but it's but certainly everyone who voted Brexit is racist, but everyone who's racist voted Brexit. So. Exactly, yeah. And it certainly escalated things. I think it was already growing. I'd noticed racist incidents occurring at football, or I'd heard about them, uh, probably predating the Brexit um, shenanigans. But, but it's not it's just the actual vote, though, is it? It's the, it's the build-up that got us there as well, which was yeah, yeah, in da- exactly. engendering hate and that sort of thing. And yeah. kind of generating... Ultimately, the problem with that is it's a binary vote, and... What then happens is we've now got the situation where things like Twitter, it's as binary as anything ever can be. It's got worse than ever, um, is the argument. It's, it's, the division is there. It's turning potentially into a race war between the extreme factions, the, the troublemaking elements within either group uh, of the protesters that we've seen in recent weeks. Um, shameful, disgusting. There are a lot of protesters, possibly for even us, yesterday. For us, for us, for us. It's not black v white. It's not a race war. It's no. everyone. It's not black v white. It's everyone else versus racists. Yeah, and that's so what it should be. Are in the small pocket of minority and yet still have a disproportionately loud voice. And I think it's yeah. the voice that not necessarily needs quietening. It just needs re 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 educating. Yeah, yeah. That we forgot. Yeah. You know, because we, we've had this so many times. These these debates over the years about oh well, people just need educa- education. Clearly, they haven't had it. So mm. let's make sure they do get it. Yeah. And the, the questions of white privilege are sort of, again, it just brings it to the foreground, changes people's perception a bit because it's making white people think more and think in a different way. There's questions about what we teach in history as well. There's plenty more to, that could be discussed there, but we'll be here for hours if we do that. But I uh, wanted to touch on that because obviously it was a very interesting okay. episode. Well, we don't live in a vacuum. So football doesn't live in a vacuum. And actually, yeah. it could be, and football for me always could and should be a force for change in a positive yeah. way. You know, it, it has been in the past. And, and, and when we do things like raise money for char- fans, raise money for charity or, you know, promote uh, anti-racist, anti-homophobic uh, messages, then, yes, that's what football is, as it could be used as a force for good. When you've got this stuff, the Football Lads Alliance, you know, I, I can't oh. embarrass that they won the lads. You know, sorry, where, where are the women in this? Yeah, an alliance of what? Well, they're against terrorism, and then they, you know, it's not worth debating. You just know that they're sort of they're very confused little boys with no message. 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's pathetic, isn't it? It's embarrassing. <laughs> it looks so dated. Uh, it's the old school 80s football hooligan behaviour. Yeah, and, and it lives up to every stereotype. Some people have a football fans as well. It kind of brings back that old kind of idea that you're a football fan, you must be a hooligan or must yeah. be a Yeah, I mean, that, let's be clear here. They can call themselves football lads. They might have some interest in football, but they are not football They're lads. not football fans. They're yeah, not football exactly. fans, yeah. Um, well, there we go. Um, anyway, moving on to subjects. All better now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll carry on. Football itself, let's get on to that. A couple of quick things I wanted to go through from the news this week. EFL, they've made their final decisions. They'd already decided they were going to have relegations and promotions. They then voted on what they were going to do with the season. It has been curtailment. Um, apart from the playoffs in um, League One. So that has meant, and League Two as well, is there's a couple of things still to be decided because Macclesfield may get a um, points deduction, which yeah. would leave them bottom. But in League One, a lot of contentions occurred. Posh, who were in sixth position, a playoff position, have been moved out to eighth place on the points per game ratio that's been implanted. Sunderland have stayed seventh, and Wickham have moved up into actually into third place in the table. Mm. So they've gone into the playoffs. Posh are pretty angry. Their owner, McAntony, uh, Barry Fry, who I heard on the radio as well, were fuming, absolutely fuming about it. And you can understand their point of view. Similarly, Palios, Smart Palios at Tranmere, his side are going to go down on the basis of what's been decided. Um, he had a proposal which was outvoted um, or turned down. And as such, he's missing out. They're going to go down. And they're a well-run club by all accounts. Mm-hmm. You've got to feel sorry for those guys, first of all, haven't you? And what, what's your, your take overall with the decision-making? Anything to say on this one, guys? Well, is there a fair way? Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not sure there is. Um, it's, it's a very difficult one, isn't it? I, I feel very sorry for Tranmere because they just literally won three games in a row. All away yeah. is what I think, from what I looked the other day. <laughs> they were, yeah. And, yeah. And, they, and they've gone down by 0.04 of a point or something ridiculous like that. So... That I can completely understand where they're coming from because obviously they carried on for one more game. They may well have won that game again because they're on good form and potentially got above Wimbledon. So absolutely, because yeah. you you, what you've got, to, what you it doesn't take into account is current form. And if you're saying that they've won their th- last three games, let's put it this way: if it had been nine games to go in '97 season, where we just managed to crawl yeah. above uh, Hereford on the you know second to last down of the season, we'd have been down and buried and lost. And everyone would have said, "Well, certainly yeah. right, there's no way you're getting back." And yet we managed to crawl it back. They've yeah. Surely, been other circumstances where in the last nine well, games someone goes on a hell of a run. Well, every I, year, I, there's a team in the playoffs who do that, and they creep into yeah. sixth place and often win the playoffs because they're the ones in form. Yeah. Like, so back, many times. Even back to '88 when we finished second to Sunderland, we won seven out of our last eight games and drew the, the eighth one anyway. So that's 22 out of 24 points. Hmm. Uh, and if the regular form had been the case, then we might have got 16, 17 points out of those hmm. and would have missed out on automatic promotion. Yeah. Having said that, if you're going to truncate a season, then you've got to kind of find a, a, a formula that works. Points per game, it makes sense to a point. But like I say, I guess that the, the, the point you're making here, um, uh, Peter, is that you, you know you don't know which way form's going to go. It could that could have been Tranmere's last points of the season. Or it takes no account of who you've got to play as well, which is a difficult one as well. That's well, the... that. I mean, in that sense, you know, in that case, we're down already because we've got to play, you know, Man U, yeah. Arsenal. You know, and I think, well, actually, yeah. we've got a reasonable record at home against that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, please. Russ. If you're firing up a can, Russ, I'll have one. <laughs> <laughs> I am indeed. Having a little bit of the old uh, brew dog. Yeah, Lovely stuff. 
Okay, not not the Barnard's Castle one though. I, I was going to drive that, but I, my sight wasn't good enough, so I'm not buying it. Hey, no, I, I, to be honest, I'd be struggling to think of a fairer system if someone can come up with one. What I would not want is a kind of a Paul's panel that says, right, they're going to get this result, they're going to get that result, because again, I don't know. Let's 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 put it this way: if you're going to look at this next round of fixtures and say, right, on form. This team will do this. This team will do that. Blah blah blah, and that's what you've got as a as a hypothetical. You know, Sunderland will beat Swindon. Uh, you know, Paul, Peterborough will you know will, will draw with Tranmere, and that's what the Pauls panel does in a sense. And then you know, most of the the, the their predictions are wrong. And then three or four games later, the form has completely changed. Mm. Sunderland are now mid table. Tranmere have actually managed to hoy themselves up to third from bottom. You know, Swindon are, you know, have, have, have spontaneously combusted in a vat of custard. Anything can happen in those three or four weeks. So you, but the, the, yeah. the tragedy is you can only go on what's gone before because yeah. you cannot. Um, you, you can only, well, you, you have no choice to go, but to go on what's, yeah. that's the only uh, piece of quantifiable data that you have is, what has happened rather than what will happen. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it is incredibly harsh on some teams, but I think it's the best way probably because the, other, the amount of money it would cost teams to play the last nine games in that division when they basically rely solely on crowd income, it would, they'd be losing money. By, you know, there's talk of like 500 grand, I think, per club. And a lot of those clubs can't afford to lose that. And it's, so it's just impractical to play the last nine games. And yeah. they had to come up with a solution. And points per game is probably the most fair, but it it doesn't. Yeah, it's gonna, always going to be unfair on some teams. But then you yeah. argue, why isn't the championship doing it? Hmm. Yeah. If League One and League Two can do it, what's the difference between that? I mean, I, just because there's more at stake does not make the the competition any different in the championship. Yeah, I mean they are part of the same league. Well, yeah, there's that. Yeah, it kind of implies that League One and League Two don't matter. Yeah, because of the relatively true. small sums. I think it came down to what the, the chairman wanted in the end, I think, overall, or what the clubs wanted. I think yeah. if the clubs yeah, I mean, that wanted and championship to do the same, they would have done the same. But yeah. It's I mean, going to create a bad feeling, isn't it? Because obviously Poshville, well, Poshville, they had most of their games were at home. They got all of their tough games out of the way and they had a lot of potentially easier games to play. And they, they were convinced, and I, I think they generally believe this, that they were going to finish auto. Never mind playoffs. So, you know, it, it's tough on them. But it was so close, wasn't it? It was three points separating. Yeah. Like, Wickham yeah. moved up. I think you said from, because they had a game in hand, they moved up from eighth to level yeah. second. We caught the is, went, went behind Rotherham on goal difference. The ultimate conclusion on this is the one we've mentioned before in this show, and I'm sure you have on yours, out that um, it's it just, there, there isn't a perfect way. It's oh. just, you've just got to come up with what you perceive to be the best solution. They voted on it that the leagues are the clubs and they voted oh, yeah. in the majority. It will probably create bad feeling for years to come in some cases, but there's unfortunately just what circumstances well, are very thing that the EFL doing and the Premier League, and the Premier League have admitted it, is, is that it's about money. And it, they're, they're trying mm. to come up with the least worst scenario. Mm. <clears throat> because the one they said, I think they said that the one scenario uh, which is going to cost the most is stopping the season now as is because and 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 when i say stopping it i mean declaring it null and void yeah as opposed to right liverpool you can have your championship uh whoever's in the bottom three at the moment you're going down i mean i mean declaring it null and void because you'd have had you know whatever it is 200 and 300 games which effectively are 
now meaningless. So every fan, in theory, could ask for their money back for their entire season ticket. It's going to cost the clubs that much money. It also means, I mean, it's not as though that you'll have the TV companies will do, be demanding their money back. We think, well, we've been spent all this money on nothing. You know, it's it's what they're trying to do is find the way to the, to to cause least embarrassment, um, least litigation, and 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 line the pockets of the lawyers who, let's face it, are going to be the 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 amount of success any given system has. I think probably is best judged by how much is going to cost in legal fees. Mm, yeah, mm. indeed. In the end, um, well, just on a couple of other matters, if we can move the conversation along, if you're still okay for time as well, Al, I know you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of things. Obviously, the Premier League is returning. They've gone through the stage three of the three stages they needed to do to, to get things formalised. It's going ahead. We're starting. Well, the league is starting Wednesday. We're starting Saturday. Tests generally still going well in terms of low numbers of positives. Mm-hmm. So everything's on track. Um, We've got a couple of things to talk about on this matter. First of all, the peculiar scenario of audio in behind closed door stadiums. Obviously, lots to be made of this. Sounds of for the action um, being heard where they normally won't be. The sounds of the bench, possible issue with swearing. People have to be quiet or careful. Um, there's also the possibility of hearing injuries occur, I suppose, could be another thing. Um, and the added concept of crowd noise being piped in uh, either to the stadium or to the viewers for their perception of watching the games um the other thing is cardboard cutouts we've seen it in germany <laughs> albion, albion have adopted it and they've offered it for the east upper brett who we just had on the show ends up popping up on bbc tv breakfast he um, does. the other day of course he's such a media whore isn't he, he is. um he, he was on there he's got a cutout he's in, he's involved in it it's nice that he'd already paid for one and the bbc sorted them one out so he's donated what he paid for for getting a picture of Ed Basford up, which yes. I think is a nice touch. Yeah. The late great Ed, um, much missed. But um, anyway, no, um, the, the issue with sound in the stadiums, cardboard cutouts, any takes on that from you, Al? <laughs> I see you uh, smiling away there. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm, I'm ambivalent towards it. I mean, I can appreciate it's a bit of a giggle. I mean, it, there are those who are going to be able to say, oh, how sad, how tinpot is that? But it, for me, it's a bit of a silly giggle. It's, it's, it's a hoot. I mean, you know, putting... And as long as they're not rude faces, I mean, if you've got someone poking their tongue out or picking their nose, then fair enough. But, um, you know, if, if for me, I I don't know if it, if it works or it looks any better, but if if, if it works, then fine. I, I I can't get, I'm not getting involved myself, but if though, for those who do want to, then, you know, great. And and, if, and I have no, you know, oh, it's just another thing for Barber to, to fleece the fans for. Well, have you noticed that actually income has dropped to, to sod all? So, you know, anything that helps is... You know, if the club's going to make whatever it is, 60 grand off this. Um, no, it's not even that, is it? It's the three birds, yeah, 60 grand off this. Yeah. And it's not even going to make that much. Um, it, doesn't make any, it doesn't make yeah. any sense, the fleecing the fans comment. It always gets thrown out, doesn't it, even oh, now. Barber's done a superb job. Pay for, you know. mm. Yeah, I mean, they're not being fleeced for it. They, they have the choice to buy it or not buy it. If they feel that it's worth the value, they know what it's going to be. Yeah. And they're not being ripped off. They're not being deceived. Well, I don't see how that could be called fleecing. That is what people think. People think that oh, Barber's coming up with a money-making wheeze. Yeah. You know, we've got to pay for it. Well, no, you don't. I mean, no one's taking a gun yeah. to head. And it is his job to do that. He's been employed specifically Absolutely. by Uncle Tony. No, in that sense, that you know, I've got no problem with that. And no, you know, I, I can't get excited one way or the other about it. So mm-hmm. you know, if anyone, yeah, I, I probably will look at the cutouts. You know, when they when they zoom in on them, when the the game's on the telly. 
I think oh, perhaps I should have done afterwards, you know. I think I think the problem from my point of view is that it's the World Premier League branding and all that sort of thing. It's going to be on the upper tiers only. That's the kind of thing that means it will be a less of a, you know, kind of it might be worth it if it's lower tier. You kind of more like chance of seeing. Yeah. You know, but I doubt they'll, they'll they might zoom in at the start, but they're not going to. You're not going to see them during the game, whatever. Which is kind of the finding the point in Germany, wasn't it? That yeah. was when they when yeah. they did them in Mönchengladbach. That you can yeah. actually see them while you're watching the game, and it makes it feel a bit more like a normal match because there are kind of figures in the stand but when they're literally in the upper tiers only what i would like if you're going to have cardboard cutouts what i would like is is that whether it's to the north or the south end um of 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 the amex depends on which way we're shooting that we have a huge gravy arrow pointing towards the goal net (laughs) as a reminder of what the players should be doing (laughs) <laughs> yes, it hasn't been too good, has it? Um, well, football is coming back one way or the other, with or without cardboard. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Football back in variety at last. Um, Albion's prospects, um, the squad analysis as well. What, how do you think we're going to do here? Obviously, we haven't really got a form guide to go on other than the fact we've been past all season trying to score. But um, we've had time to work on a few bits, maybe. I know there's limits to the training um, facilitation, but how do you think? Um, do you think there's obviously with that Alex, uh, Alexis McAllister coming in? He's he's my man. I think I, he, he could be he could be the what difference. Do I think he's like he's, he's, he's there is nothing like playing at the Amex, is it? No, exactly. Especially not with any fans now as well. <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. But it, I mean, I I think he's he's the joker in the pack because nobody really knows about him. I think if he can link up with more pay, that could be something that could change yeah. the dynamic and the issues that we've had this season, along with obviously the other attacking players. Um, how do you think we're going to do overall? Have you got any preconceived ideas, Al? The only thing that I could ever say is, is that we're probably playing Arsenal about the right time. Now, I know that they've got their game in hand, and so therefore, well, there's, there's a couple of things. One, they're not going to be 100% match fit, so they're going to have their game in hand on the Wednesday. So their recovery time is going to be a lot longer than it normally would be. Yeah. So everyone is still finding their own feet. And the, 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 the test will be the extent to which the players treat the, their, their own safety. Now, if everyone knows, for instance, that everyone on the pitch is coronavirus negative and everyone's okay and no one's got it and there's going to be snorking and snotting on the pitch and, and what have you, <clears throat> then there will be full-blooded uh, you know, challenges and what have you. But if anyone goes into a half arted, half arsed, and thinking, I'm going to get him on the back of this because he's got a runny nose, you know, my opposite fullback's got a runny nose or something like that, then then you're going to have problems. So it's, it, it, for me, it's the attitude with which the players go into the whole health because that is the something that's going to be hanging around is, is it safe to do this? If, if we had this, this magic wand that said, clicked its fingers and said, right, it's all clear, we're all back to how we were then you'd have this 110% effort. But it's the extent to which those players, for me, are going to treat their own health and their own safety are those who are going to probably do a, a you know, the extent to which they, they consider it is there's those who are going to do better or not. In other yeah. words, I don't want to see a half-assed performance if you see a full-blooded one from the other side. Yeah, it certainly seems we're going to see more of the overall squad. I do think, we've discussed this before, but I think the overall squad depth, um, I don't think our team is exceptional, but I think we've got a number of players of similar quality within the squad. And if we can use a wider or breadth of, um, of talent um, for these nine games, that might benefit us. 
um, more than others who might have to rotate in people who aren't quite as good as their first mm. choices. The who, who coronavirus is that I think that it could end up being a, a great leveller. I don't know. I mean, that doesn't seem to be the case in Germany, but it could be here because we've had it a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. It and could be a good. It could be. I mean, it sounds it sounds really horrible to say it this way, and it's a really unfortunate way of putting it. But like I say, as as, as terms of, in terms of that sort of thing, it could be, you know, the, the gap between Arsenal and Brighton could be could be a lot less. What do you mean they'll catch up from us since we've beaten them the last few t- couple of times at home? Well, our record against them, you know, since we got promoted, isn't too shabby. Yeah. Unbeaten in four, aren't we now? I think of generally. It's kind of... Yeah, but I, yeah. I wonder also, we, we do have what you say about Arsenal, but also with Man U, we've potentially got an advantage in the sense that they've got a cup game on the weekend before us. I think we play them, I think, on a Tuesday, whereas we've got a week off after Leicester, sure. where we've got like a kind of whole, like Tuesday to Tuesday, whereas they've got a cup game in between. And again, they may have to, you know, kind of move players in and out because maybe to them, the cup might be their best chance of winning something. Well, it is, but their best chance of winning something. Well, the other thing you've got to remember is, is that no matter where you, what way you look at it, um, the players' routine is different. So the chances of them being at 100% fitness, they would have been. Not necessarily, you know, because the player doesn't go into the, to the start of the season 100%. You know, it still takes them a little bit of time to, to transition into the, into the new season. So it's, it's those that, because there's only nine games to go, it's those also that hit the ground running fastest and hardest are those who are going to have the successful end of the season. It's not as though this this new restart of the season means we've got 38 games to go. We don't. We've got nine. It's a final sprint. Hmm. Yeah. And they've got to take that into account. You know, they might yeah. be absolutely on dead on their feet. Sorry, again, terrible phrase for, for what we're going through. They might be absolutely out of it by July the 26th, the, the supposed end for the, of the season. But if they want to be in the Premier League for whenever the new season starts, then, you know, that's what they've got to go through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, moving swiftly on to the final stages of today's podcast. Um, got a couple of quick things to quote here and see, see if you can guess what I'm talking about. In 2015-16, I compiled a list that included Karabag of Azerbaijan, Queen of the South and Welling United. Our promotion season, 2016-17, North Ferriby United and Auburn City, Panama and Azerbaijan amongst a list of 83. In 2017-18, Dover, Ibar, Portland Timbers, Azerbaijan again, and Bosnia-Herzegovina women's team amongst 48 people I've listed, 48 teams I've listed. And last season, it included Baku, Man City women, Montenegro, Newport, named by his own player. This year, um, it's been mentioned a couple of times by Arsenal, 12 times about Burnley, Twelve, uh, two times again about Palace and Dover and Everton and Hartlepool, ten times about Liverpool and many more besides. Um, any idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> if you haven't, I'll move swiftly on to explain. It's um, well, this is part of cliche of the week, football cliche of the week, a new feature we're doing, and I'm starting with difficult place to go bingo. These have all been listed. It's horrendous how many times people come up with this cliche. They even say it about their own team. I and you know what? On a Tuesday night in November. <laughs> John Joe Shelby. Uh, no, not John Joe Shelby. Sorry. Um, um, John Joe Kenny, isn't it? The guy at uh, Everton on loan. At, um, Schalke, yeah. Alka. He said last week, uh, difficult place to go, Union Berlin. No fans. 
you know, it <laughs> I think the form Schalke in everywhere is a difficult place to go, yeah. to be honest. Nowhere's uh, a difficult place to go in Germany. The <laughs> stats prove it at the moment. Not though with actually Barnes' three points in the FA Cup. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I'm starting this cliche of the weekend feature with that difficult place to I go. I think you yeah. need, in that case, mate, you definitely need to pack him on your back on your show, mate. Oh, definitely. We'll, we'll get him in. I'm, I'm sure he'll be, he'll be in his element, won't he? Yeah. He will. But I've just noticed an incredible, inordinate number of people um, continue to churn out this cliche. You've got to love it almost, haven't you? Almost. <laughs> anyway, any other business? Well, I don't, don't know if there is anything else. I think we've chatted about all the main bits for this week, other than one major looming factor, which is the quiz. Have you got time to do the quiz, Al? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. That's all right. Time is, time is just a, a fleeting, continuous, <laughs> ever-ending concept. Irrespective of the fact we are now 20 minutes over, you know, that's what happens when you get a waffler on. <laughs> it happens pretty much every week on our show, to be honest. Fair enough. <laughs> we, we might make this into a mini-series, this one, but uh, anyway, we, you, you're used to setting quiz questions on such things as the Rev Quiz, yes. um, but this time we're turning the table. In fact, you did, you gave me some quiz questions on the Raw at one point, and I... Yeah, and I was horrified. You're going to be horrible to me now, aren't you? It was painful. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> you want to remind me? Um, it was Jared. Jared. It was Jared. Did you win? Yeah. He, he won, yeah, quite comfortably. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I, I got some questions wrong I shouldn't have done, but I found it tough as well, to be honest. We'll, well see how you do. Rounds about Brighton and Hove Albion, they are quite the tough ones, because people's memories are, well, and I include mine in this, quite shocking. Yeah, mine's terrible. For the Albion, it's actually worse than general knowledge about football, I think. Oh. Strange. I don't know, too close to the bone or something. I don't know what it is, but I, I just... Uh, Trying to suppress okay. most of them for a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be um, drunk to watch the Albion, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had, we've had about seven or eight people on so far. The top scorer, by a matter of, I think, two points, is Robin Woolley with 14 out of 15. He's still in well, uh, not gonna beat that. It's going to be tough, yeah. The format is essentially, it's ten general knowledge football questions, three yeah. of which will be to do with the Albion, one of which will be a missing link, and then there's a Who Am I round where you can get a anything up to five points if you get on the first clue. That's the general basis. All ready right. to fire away? Here we go then. I'm, I'm ready to embarrass myself. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I love disclaimers at the beginning of this. It's always yep. good. Um, right. Question one. I'll give you a bit of time on this one. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. French French international footballer is a qualified sommelier? This is a current French international footballer. He's also a current Premier League um, attacking player. I'll tell you that much. Okay, did you give Robin a question as nasty as this? Um, no, I did run these questions by him and he actually got 14 again. This was the one he got wrong, though, if that's any encouragement for oh, you. Right. Okay, um, which attacking French player currently yeah. in the Premier League is a qualified sommelier? Yeah, so he's an attacking player. He's a current French international. He's a current Premier League player. He's right. played for two clubs so far in the Premier League. That's as far okay. as I'll go clue-wise. Right, okay. Uh French. You have to bear in mind that when it comes to other clubs in the Premier League, I don't care. <laughs> this is the point. That's why I always that's do, get, yeah. I do a general football round. That's why I do that. Um, can I come back to that? Uh, yeah, why not? That's not okay, a problem. Yeah, yeah, we, we'll we'll move on. Okay. Frenchman in the, in the top division first. <laughs> no googling. I'm watching him, folks. I'm watching him. He's not googling it. Right, that's the beauty of Zoom. <laughs> yeah, He's flashing his hands. Um, right, question two then. We'll, we'll, we'll get on with that one. Three men have won the World Cup as both a player and as a head coach. Can you name at least two of them? Yes. 
Well, one of them is Beckenbauer. Correct. Yeah. And so one more. Um, right, let's go back a bit. So that would be. Uh, he didn't win. So 26 of those Spain, that was their first time. 2006 would have been. I feel I should know this. Um, yeah, one of them is include something quite recent. That's probably the only clue I'll give you on that one. No, that's fine. I think current world champions are France. Oh, um, oh Christ, yes. Um, I think you've got it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the current one. I'm just going to make sure that I've got the right name. Blow balls, <laughs> curly <laughs> hair. <laughs> the ball sliding across the goal mouth. Al's closing in to try and finish it. And I know his, I can see his face. I just want to make sure I get the right name. Uh, it's Didier Deschamps. It is indeed, yes. Well done. You've, and I was, was going to leap in with Deschamps. I'm thinking, hang on, is it in? Is it in? Is it in? Is it in? And the other one, I think, is some Brazilian from way back when, isn't it? Yeah, Mario Zagallo. Yes, that's oh, yeah. right. So, yeah, well done there. I mean, it was worth taking. You had time to, to take a Thank touch you. before you put it in the back get, of the net. Do I get two points yeah. for that? No, it's just one point, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, question. Well, the next question Which team won the very first Football League title? Oh, uh, uh, first two. Preston North End. Correct. Next question. Which club are nicknamed the Railwaymen? Clue. Correct again. See, I told you it would get less painful after yeah, that first okay. one. <laughs> right. Be interested to know if you get this one. Which are, oh, sorry, why are Sheffield Wednesday nicknamed the Owls? I think it's because they're in the region of Sheffield called Owlerton. You are absolutely correct, sir. Well done. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, next question. Which two clubs' shirts did Sanderson sponsor in the 1990s? You have to get both to get the points. Well, Sheffield Wednesday was one. Yeah. And I think the other one, was it Southampton? It was, yeah. Excellent. Always on fire. Robin would be quaking in his boots at this point. Well, no, I've still, <laughs> still got to think of the sommelier. Yeah. Five out of five for one pending so far. We move on to the next one. Which EFL team play their home games at Glanford Park? Scunthorpe. Correct. Which, and here we go to the Albion questions. Which former Albion player and his wife run a cafe in Preston Park? I think you're going to know this. Uh, yes, I should do. That'll be. Um, do you want the wife's name as well? If you want to show I off. You don't need... I have been told it. <laughs> no, so you can just... Well, it's Andy Rollings, but... I it is indeed, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, good. Yeah, I'll be I'll be disturbed if you got the wife's name as well. That's too much. <laughs> right. Um, going on with the Albion questions, who broke Jerry Ryan's leg at Selhurst Park, leading to his premature retirement from the game as a player? I was there. It was Henry Hewton. Yeah, I was there too. Yes, indeed. Brother, of course, of Chris Hewton. Yeah. Um, the final Albion question is the missing link question. Um, I'd like you to complete this list. Um, it's quite a long one. It's uh, Jahambach. Trossard and Mooney, uh, sorry, I'll start that again. Jahambach, Trossard and Moy, Ogbonna, Gross, Murray, Mariapa, and then Blank. So it's a list of things. You've got to work out what it is and then tell me who the missing link is. So it's the last one in the chain. I'll repeat the list again to give you some time. Got so it. it's Jahambach, this is in chrono chronological order. Jahambach, Trossard, Moy, then Ogbonna, Grosh, Murray, Mariapa, and then Blank. 
So any idea what this is, first of all? Yeah, I think it's, it's, um, it's recent goal scorers up to now. Yeah, so I think the, the, the last one that you, you've mentioned, it was, I think it was a Sheffield United own goal. I think. Uh, it was a uh, Watford own goal, actually. Right, Watford own goal. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's who's, who has scored since then. And we had this in a quiz recently, and I can't remember what the answer was. So I'm going to have to plump mm. four... Would you want to come back to it? If you tell me who the opposition were, I might remember. Oh, what do you think, Peter? Do we give them the opposition? I think you were on the right tracks anyway. Yeah, but I can't um, remember who the answer was. It was basically... It, it was, was basically a way to ask me who scored the Albion's most recent goal. Yeah, that is the question. It's, it's essentially. such a long time ago. Um, um, it's, it was a Northern away game. Um, in Yorkshire, shall we say? <laughs> well, it's <laughs> pretty much United, then, isn't it? It's... Yeah. Is he gonna I'm, I'm going to plump for Lewis Dunk. Oh, it's a worthy effort, but no, it yeah, wasn't. Exactly, wasn't it? No, it was Neil Morpé. It was a Morpé. Yeah, Morpé. It was from um, Webster's assist. You remember the ball came in? Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, he flicked, flicked it goalwards. There we go. Yeah. Okay, well, you've got eight out of nine so far, so you could still be joint top potentially. Okay. Um, do you want to come back to the sommelier question at this point? Sommelier we... question, right, okay. So someone who's spent, who's, who's on his second Premier League club, he's, is he currently playing or is he loaned out? Uh, he's currently playing, yeah, when he gets in first team. And he's, um, uh, he's also currently a French international. As far as I know, he's still in the, okay. in the record. Um, I've got to be honest with you, it's, it's a case of... I have heard who it is and I do recall... <sighs> Oh, right, so you knew, but you can't remember who, who you heard. Yeah, I've got a feeling that it's someone at Chelsea. You might be right, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but... Well, we can, we can give you a bit more time on that if you want. Well, I can have a half a point of that, but... Um, and I, I can see the interview that he's had... Yeah. ...with him talking about it. He's a Marmite player, I think, a little bit as well. Yeah, um... But the chances of me getting the name, no, I'm going to, I'm going to bail on that one. Okay, all right. Well, if it comes back to you, okay, right, all right, okay, fine. Yeah, we'll give you a bit more time. So you're on eight out of nine with one pending. We move on to the who am I round. If you get this on the first clue, and I suspect you might, then you've got five points. You are, you are allowed to have one guess per clue anyway. So okay. if you don't get the first one. Carry on. Anyway, here's the first clue. It's taken from Wikipedia. It is. I was born and raised in Preston and started my career with my hometown club age 17 in 1974, the club my father had also represented as a winger in his time. I'm going to guess Mark Lawrenson. Yes, I thought you might, and you are correct. Yay. <laughs> Five points. You're on to 13. You are in sec definite second place, possible joint top. Well, I'll give you one more little bit of time for your sommelier um, question while I run through the other clues just for reference. Having been named in the player of the season, 76-77 season, I moved to Brighton of Albion in the summer of 77 for 100,000 to play under Alan Mullery. Sure, you would have got it on that clue if you didn't on the first. The third clue was I made 152 league appearances for Albion over four seasons before moving to Bob Paisley's Liverpool for a record fee. Um, clue four, after a hugely successful playing career, I went on to have a shorter and rather less successful stint as manager. At Oxford and Peterborough. I didn't know that, so I looked it up. Peterborough. Yeah. And um, before settling into a career as a pundit at the Beeb. Mm. And clue five was I have a rather intensely annoying habit 
of saying the opposite to what I mean in sarcasm before punctuating my sentence with the word not. Others patented this short-lived fad, but I've carried its flame many years longer than advisable. <laughs> and, and I think Clue 6, he is AD's new best friend. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen them doing their, their buddying up in the uh, lockdown yeah. period. Right, okay, final okay, chart. This French player is... <sighs> Definitely got to have a shot at goal, I think, with, with the chance to be joint. No, it's, it's a case of remembering the... As soon as you say it, I think, oh, yeah, of course it is that. Hmm. Um, but I remember the, seeing the interview. I remember seeing, you know, but I, no, I'm going to have to finish in second place. Oh, that's a shame. That's Always a bridesmaid. Okay, Peter, do you want to do the honours? Uh, it's Olivier Giroud, apparently. I've never heard of this. Need to do so yesterday. Yeah, Olivier Giroud. Yeah, no, in that case, I, was, I was actually thinking of someone else. Oh, okay, okay yeah. fair enough. I think well, you're better yeah. off then if you be, if she'd remembered who you're thinking of and been like, "Yeah, I found it," and then like <laughs> it hadn't been them, that would have been really irritating. No, in that case, I, I just remember it was someone at Chelsea, but I, I didn't remember it as as being him. So. Yeah, Rob- Right, I, I got it. I could have spent all night thinking about it, but I wouldn't. Have <laughs> fair it. enough. At least, at least that's fair enough. Then um, we we run the question by Robin. He actually thought it was um, David Ginola on a guess because he'd heard he runs a one a vineyard. So, but yeah, nonetheless, um, yeah, but that's a decent effort. That now, very impressed. Thirty yeah, hours. I'm yet to take the quiz myself. Peter's going to be preparing me some questions. In well, I can, I can happily do that for you and and, and sort of, you know <laughs> spear you up against the wall. Good grief. Uh, no, sorry, thanks. <laughs> anyway. Of course, yeah, metaphorically. <laughs> Alan, final question. How are you going to be watching the game? Will you be going to the pub? Oh, no, you can't do that, can you? That. So are you going to be at home? Is it going to be in the garden, rigged up with a few uh, beers? I'm going to see if I can take advantage of EE's free offer of um, BT Sport for three months. Ah. Um, thing is, what, what's happening, because myself and AD sometimes have a press pass, um, this time around, they're only offering one per organisation. So where previously the pair would have gone, I've said to Aidy, look, you go. And I think he's going to sort that out this week. So he's going to go. And I think we might even do a a, a Facebook Live straight afterwards. Um, so that probably means I'll be watching at home. Right. OK. Well, let's hope you'll be cheering at home as well because of some goals. Well, I hope that'll be the case. We'll wait to find out. The wait is nearly over. Six days to go as we record this until we find out if Albion can start the way they want to go on and get the win. Maybe we can do it. Who knows? Either way round, stand or fall up the Albion. Thanks for coming on, Al. It's been a pleasure. We hope to have you back at some point. Thanks for thumbing up. Good work. Yeah. And um, enjoy the, uh, the rest of the lockdown if you can. And good luck with the continuation of the podcast, which is an excellent yeah. thing worth checking out, Albion Raw. Of course, on all good platforms. And we'll be back with a preview episode we're recording with some gooners, by the way, on Thursday evening. So we've got that to look forward to as well. Should be a good bit of answer. But anyway, thank you again to Alan and thanks to my cohort, Peter. Cheers. All the best, boys. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.